With the recommendations of especially some kiddos needing early introduction of peanut and tree nut products, you're probably wondering, well, how do you feed a baby a peanut? Because exactly, you should not feed a baby a peanut. But that does not negate the fact that some kiddos need peanut and tree nut protein in their diet to help them prevent the development of food allergy. And I'm so excited because today we have on our podcast a food allergy mama who has created a product to help grow tolerance to peanut and tree nuts in our little young kiddos that also taste good for older kiddos and adults. And we have a discount code at foodallergyandyourkiddo.com. Let's go. Welcome to Food Allergy and Your Kiddo with Dr. Alice Hoyt, the podcast about demystifying food allergies, diminishing allergy anxiety, and taking back control. Let's navigate this challenge together with evidence-based information, scientific research, and tried and proven practices. And now, here's your host, board-certified allergist and immunologist specializing in food allergy, Dr. Alice Hoyt. Hello, and welcome to the Food Allergy and Your Kiddo podcast. I am your host, Dr. Alice Hoyt, here today with my co-host, Ms. Pam Lestage. Hey, Pam. Hey, Alice. How are you? I am doing awesome. I am especially awesome because we have a very special guest with us today, and I am so excited. I know. I'm so excited, too. I wish things like this were around when we started our allergy journey. Uh Um, I think it's such a necessary product and I cannot wait to hear what she has to say today. Without further ado, welcome to Ms. Catherine Mitchell Jackson with Mission Mighty Me. Hey, Catherine. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm great. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for coming on. And we're just so excited to talk with you today, learn about your family's journey and really how you guys ended up creating Mission Mighty Me. So so before we go go into all of that, tell us about your your food allergy journey and what sort of got y'all on your path. Sure. Um, well, I'm a mom of three and um, our oldest daughter is allergic to most nuts. Um, our younger two, thankfully, do not have food allergies, but um, we have been a food allergy family Um, she's now 12. So we've been a food allergy family for several years. Um, when she was born, of course, the common medical guidance was not to give babies common food allergens like peanuts and tree nuts and egg, Mm -hmm. um, and infancy. So our pediatrician recommended that, you know, we hold off until she was two or three to start introducing allergenic foods, which Of course we did. First time parents, we were Mm -hmm. rule followers and we were just, you know, trying to go by the book. And that was the book back then. So um, she had not had um, tree nuts uh, until she was almost three. And um, my mom, we lived in New York at the time. We're now in Atlanta, but my mom was visiting us in New York and she had a little bag of um, walnuts in her purse and Niall, our oldest, was, you know, almost three, sort of toddled over to my mom. And without even thinking, my mom just put some in her hand and Niall toddled off and popped one in her mouth. Um, and thankfully, I was at the apartment that day. I was not at work. But um, I suddenly, you know, was like, she's choking. She's coughing. What's happening? Um, I thought she was just choking on the walnut. and realized that she had 
immediately broken out and hives. I mean, her face was so swollen. Um, you couldn't even see her eyes anymore. She started vomiting, um, repeatedly. And to be totally honest at the time, food allergies were not even on our radar. We did not know very much about them. So, um, it took me a minute to figure out what was going on. And then my mom said, Oh, I just gave her a walnut. We called the pediatrician. And at the time the pediatrician's office said, Oh, just give her Benadryl and watch her. Mm-hmm. Well, with all those systems reacting at once, we should have taken her straight to the emergency room. Um, but we tried the Benadryl, everything did subside really quickly. And thankfully she was okay. But after subsequent allergy testing, Mm -hmm. um, we learned that she was allergic to all nuts. So we just learned as much as we possibly could about food allergies and how to be prepared, um, and made sure that we had an EpiPen, you know, and every diaper bag and, um, now that she's 12, we make sure she's got it on her mm-hmm. when she goes out and she can advocate for herself. Um, but yes, we've learned a lot about food allergies since that time. I always say food allergy moms do better research than the FBI. <laughs> I agree. <That's> so true. <laughs> I agree. Sometimes when I'm talking with Pam, I forget that she's not one of my fellow allergists. <laughs> right. Because you she's do. just up with, up, up with the information, you know, we can talk about component testing. We can talk about ingestion challenges, whatever it may be, because you're exactly right. Like when I can only imagine when you see your child have that type of a response to something that is supposed to be something nutritious for their body. And it's the absolute opposite Mm -hmm. and so sudden and so jarring. I mean, I can only imagine that you were just something completely shifts within you as a mom and as a dad, and you are then on a path to make sure this never happens to your child again. Absolutely. I mean, Mm -hmm. you see your child going through that and um, your immediate reaction is that will never happen to my child again. Um, And then you have, you know, more children and think, how can I make sure that never happens to these kiddos? And it sounds like you have you have created quite the way to help make sure that that <laughs> not only doesn't happen to your children, um, but also the children of so, so many other families. So tell us a little bit, tell us a lot bit about, <laughs> about your, your puffs. Yes. So um, we launched um, a company called a food company called Mission Mighty Me, and it's a line of snacks for babies and kids that makes it super easy to get peanuts and tree nuts and other common allergens into their diet early to help prevent allergies. Um, And this is all based on new recommendations that overturned the old avoidance guidelines that we followed, Mm -hmm. you know, with our first child um, that say, actually, we need to get all these foods into the diet early. Um, Ideally, as soon as babies are ready for solids, in order to make sure they don't develop food allergies later on. Um, So in 2015, as you both know, groundbreaking new research was published um, called the LEAP study, Mm -hmm. the learning early about peanut allergy study. I remember sitting towards the front of that session at the American (laughs) Academy of Allergy and Immunology, texting Pam while Dr. Lack was presenting. Really? Oh, that is so yes. <laughs> And I want to say that 
I want to say that it was published already. And so I had a copy as well, maybe, Mm -hmm. or maybe you were sharing the slides. I don't remember, but it was like live texting and live questioning. And then we, I feel like if I remember correctly, we had like a powwow afterwards Mm -hmm. and and we spoke about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Because Catherine, exactly what you're saying. This was, this was groundbreaking because we noticed the uptick of food allergy and peanut allergy in particular in the late nineties. And that prompted expert opinion decision of let's have kids avoid potentially allergenic foods Mm -hmm. until their immune system is ready for them. Well, that was the absolute wrong thing to do. And what we then saw as a result of avoidance um, until they were potentially ready for them was that they actually more children developed allergies. And yes, Dr. Lack um, and his team did groundbreaking research that really showed that we need to do a complete 180 on this. Right, right, exactly. And I love that you all were live texting about (laughs) this, listening to Dr. Lack's presentation. I think that all allergists, pediatricians, and food allergy parents completely nerded out when this news came out. I mean, I was like, you know, reading the New England Journal of Medicine. And I said to my husband, JJ, um, we have got to follow this guidance because we could potentially, so our third child was born um, the same year that the LEAP study was published. And um, it just rocked my world to think that we might actually have some control over Mm -hmm. preventing him from developing a food allergy like his big sister has. Mm -hmm. Um, So I said to my husband, JJ, I said, we have got to get peanuts, tree nuts, all the other allergens. Um, Even though at the time, you know, it was really focused on the research was focused on peanut. But I said, we've got to get all these foods into his diet. Well, of course, James is six months old at the time. um, No teeth. Um, we're thinning out peanut butter, tree nuts were like just a whole other head scratcher of a challenge because there's so many of them. And, um, he didn't like diluted tree nut butter. And that was the only option I could find to get the tree nuts into his diet. Um, and so I kept saying, we have got to make, um, this more accessible and easier for parents. There needs to be baby friendly foods on the market that make it possible to get these foods in the diet. Um, because what the leap study, you know, basically showed for any listeners who aren't super familiar with it is that start, it was first of all, huge clinical trial, NIH funded clinical trial over five years, um, that took 640 babies. Half of them had, um, no peanuts in the diet for the first five years of life at all. And then the other half had peanut introduced um, between four and 11 months. So basically in the first year of life, and then it was kept in the diet consistently until age five. And these were high risk kids too, right? These were kids who either had pretty bad eczema or they had egg allergy, or they had both. And so these were the kids, why why those two risk factors are important is because those are risk factors that had previously been identified as risk factors for peanut allergy. So when they were doing this study, they really wanted to do it with the kiddos who were at highest risk of having peanut allergy. And so continue, Catherine. Right, You're doing exactly. Awesome. So these, great. Kids, <laughs> these kids were like already on the path to being mm-hmm. developing um, a peanut allergy, but that early intervention, you know, what mm-hmm. at the, 
end of five years when they unblinded the results, um, you know, and Dr. Lack still talks about just how shocking it was um, that the children who had the peanut introduced early had an 80 up to 86% lower rate of peanut allergies than those who didn't have it in the diet at all. So said differently, um, the kids who had to avoid peanuts had a five times higher risk of Mm -hmm. developing peanut allergies. So as y'all know, it was so groundbreaking that, um, you know, immediately, like I remember reading a quote from um, Anthony Fauci, the um, director of the NIAID that said, um, this is going to completely transform how we approach food allergy prevention. And Mm -hmm. we're talking about saving thousands and thousands of kids from peanut allergies. And that just stopped me in my tracks. I mean, Mm -hmm. I thought, first of all, if we can do this for James, if we can, if we can help our youngest avoid um, having food allergies, but also if there was a line of foods out there that made it easy for parents to do this on like a mainstream basis, right. Right. Um, then it could have huge, a huge public health impact. And we've seen that in other countries. We've seen that in Israel. Um, we've seen that in, you know, parts of Africa and Asia where it's common to have these foods in the diet early. It's just that once we took them out of the diet in the U S and the UK and Australia, um, we saw the the rates of food allergies skyrocket, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the rate of nut allergies has tripled since we removed those foods from the diet. So to us, it was so clear, like, okay, here's what we need to do. But then there was yes. this huge problem of like, well, babies can't eat nuts. <laughs> and there <laughs> aren't any foods yes. that contain it that are baby friendly. And so that's um, ultimately why we started Mission Mighty Me. And we partnered with um, Dr. Gideon Lack, who was the lead author of the LEAP study um, to help us, you know, develop our products and make sure that everything that we created matched his research um, and and followed the science. Um, And so he's been just an amazing partner for us um, because he's truly the expert. He, you know, this it was his <laughs> hypothesis that early introduction would be protective and preventative. Um, and so having him join our team to um, create Mission Mighty Me has been um, really amazing. And then we also partnered with um, Todd Slotkin, who is a fellow food allergy parent. He was actually a friend of ours before we ever knew we had a child with food allergies. And he was one of the original found co-founders of the food allergy nonprofit FAIR. Um, and he was a former chairman of FAIR too. And he's just been an advocate for, you know, food allergy families for many years. So having Dr. Lack and, and Todd Slotkin partner with us has really just been kind of a, a dream team for JJ and I. That's definitely an amazing team. And and you hit on something that I think is really important. You hit on um, having a product that really follows what Dr. Lack did in the LEAP study. And what what that really means is that when you say your your product is a peanut 
puff and we're not paid to endorse or anything like that. The mission mighty me. I have had samples. Thank you very much, Mm. Catherine. They're (laughs) delicious. Um, My two-year-old likes them. Um, I like them, but one of my biggest questions was how do you make sure that what is in what you say is in the product, how much peanut powder um, or peanut protein, I should say, is in there, is in there. Because what we have found in some of the products on the market is that they might say they have this and this and this allergen, but they might not have a whole lot of it, or they might not have the amount that really the science tells us we need to have this much of it in 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 a serving size. And then a kiddo needs to have a serving size three times a week if we're looking at LEAP or whatever study we're looking at. So one of my questions for you is like, and I imagine with your awesome team, then you're able to make sure that your product really is what it says it is. Hi there. This is Alexis from the Hoyt Institute of Food Allergy. Did you know that the Institute is the official sponsor of the Food Allergy and Your Kiddo podcast? And did you also know that you are now able to connect with Dr. Hoyt directly? That's right. We are now offering food allergy office hours for parents. These one-on-one virtual sessions are available for parents all across the country. It's an educational session, not an office visit, where you can ask all of your food allergy questions and finally get answers. It's as comfortable as having a cup of coffee with your bestie. Simply click the link in the show notes to schedule and mention this ad. We are so, so excited to connect with parents across the globe with this new service. Okay, now back to Pam and Dr. Hoyt. Right, and that is such an important point because um, what the research has shown is that the amount of protein is really important as to whether or not it does anything minuscule amounts there there is no clinical trial that supports minuscule amounts of protein being protective in food allergy prevention all we really have are the clinical trials that have shown um that you know a base level of protein equates to a certain level of prevention and for peanut in particular that would be the leap study the babies in the leap study had an average of 6 grams of peanut per week, which is actually a decent amount of mm-hmm. a decent amount of peanut. Um, we developed our so we have we have to two put pro- that in perspective about um, a one teaspoon of peanut butter right. has about one gram of peanut protein in it. Right, exactly. It's like wow. the equivalent of like twenty four peanuts. I mean, it's kind of a, a it's a lot. It's a lot of peanut. Mm-hmm. Um, now these were high risk babies and there's some thinking that like lower risk babies might not need quite that much, but right now the American Academy of Pediatrics, as y'all know, recommends that high risk babies who have severe eczema or an existing allergy do try to have six grams of protein per week. Um, so the way we developed our peanut puffs, we have two products currently more in the works, but we have a peanut puff that is just basically organic peanuts and organic rice. And then we have a, another puff, a nut butter puff that has five nuts in it because it was so hard for us to get tree nuts mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. the diet. And that's a challenge for parents. So, um, this is our, our nut butter puff and it's got hazelnut, almond, cashew, walnut, and peanut. 
Um, so the way we, we started with the peanut puff, because that is where the research is the most definitive and the most robust mm-hmm. and where the American Academy of Pediatrics initially came out with their recommendations. And we basically formulated it. So one pouch of our peanut puffs would deliver, um, it actually delivers a little more than six grams of peanut protein. Um, so if you're child works through a pouch a week, then, you know, you're getting the recommended amount of peanut protein. Um, and we confirm the amount of peanut protein in our pouches with, um, multiple rounds of testing to make sure, um, it is in there. Um, but what we didn't want to do is make it clinical or medicalized or feel like it was not food. We didn't Mm -hmm. want people to have to feel like they were like dosing it because we just know that that adherence is so much harder in that case. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and so we thought, well, if we can have it be as simple as work through a pouch a week, then, you know, your child is getting the recommended amount of peanut protein. Mm-hmm. Um, can I interrupt then, you for one yes. second? Cause I think what you said is really important. You don't want to medicalize it. These are kiddos that we're not talking about kiddos who are allergic to peanut or, or tree nut and that are using this for oral immunotherapy Though we can right. get to that in a little bit, Good point. but these are kiddos who have proven to be tolerant of the food. So that might mean that maybe they are high risk and that they've seen an allergist and they've had the appropriate testing and an ingestion challenge where they go in and they eat diluted peanut butter and they don't have any sort of reaction. So they are deemed tolerant to peanut. But what is so critical in the the baby, toddler, preschooler age group, once a high-risk child is deemed tolerant, is that that tolerance continues to grow. And the, the example that I give is going to a gym. Like when you go to the gym and you reach your target weight and you get the muscles that you want and all that stuff, if you just stop it will go away. And the same thing can happen in the immune system, especially in this age group. The immune system is very malleable in our babies and our in our young children. And so once a child is, is deemed tolerant, when, as long as if they're not allergic to the food, meaning, then it is important, especially in these high-risk kids, to grow that tolerance. And the way you do that is by keeping foods in the diet. And it can be very hard to have a one-year-old eat peanut products or tree nut products because nuts are a choking hazard. They should not be given under the age of four. And, you know, we, we get to a point when, you know, the kids are three to four, where we start making decisions of cutting them and all of that stuff, right? Whatever's appropriate for that child. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the recommendation is no nuts under four, right? But you're hitting the nail on the head, Catherine, about it's, we need some good products to help these babies who are at risk of losing that tolerance, really grow the tolerance and do it in a way that's enjoyable for them, that tastes good, that doesn't stress out families. Because one of the the great things about deeming someone, okay, you're not allergic, is that they're not walking that stressful road that I know you, that I know Pam. So many of my patients, once you have a child with food allergy, it it changes your perspective on life. And in, I'm not going to go down all the anxieties of, of school and stuff because I don't want to I don't want to get off topic. But it's just so important that we have options for families of kids who are tolerant to grow that tolerance. And that's why I was so excited when my mother in law 
put out the newspaper article <laughs> in Atlanta and brought it on vacation. Um, shout out to Gigi. Um, and now we're here doing this podcast with you and learning about Mission Mighty Me and its awesome mission. And I was going to say, you were showing us for our listeners, we're doing this over Zoom so we can all see each other. And she was showing us, Catherine was the the bag that these puffs mm-hmm. come in. And I don't know about your kids or Alice, your little girl, when my kids were little bitty, they could go through a bag of puffs if I let them like in a day, <laughs> you know? So, and I say that to just illustrate, you know, listeners definitely go to her website and check out what the bag looks like, but it's definitely a doable situation, right? The, the size of the, of the bag mm-hmm. where the puffs come in, it's definitely doable to, to consume in a week, which I think is so important, you know, when we're trying to give our kids good and healthy snacks and, you know, giving them something that they want to eat, that they can maybe just stick their little hands in and grab themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I, I remember we used to give them like, we called them Cheeto puffs, but that's not what they were, but you know what I mean? They're the little rice puffs, which right. is what, um, what this looks like and, or the little stars and, um, mm-hmm. they would just love, you know, to to stick those in their mouth. So yeah. And, and do it, it themselves you're, and do it themselves. You're, right. Yeah. So it's just a treat, you know, like you were saying that you didn't want to make it medical. Um, and again, you know, I say my daughter's 13, she just turned 13. So we follow those same wait till she's two guidelines, you know, um, and, and her allergies to peanuts, to peanut, yes, to peanuts, to peanuts, not tree nuts. She's, um, challenged all those and she can consume those, but peanuts, um, are not challengeable for us right now. And, and she has spoken about this too. She's chosen to not do OIT. So we're just on an avoidance, um, schedule until, you know, she's 13. And so it's kind of hard to, to force someone to do something they don't feel comfortable doing, but shared um, decision-making, we shared talk decision about all making, the time. Yes. It's very important. Um, but you know, she loved all of those, you know, really easy snacks. And ah, if we could just go back in time, right? <laughs> I mean, it's so true. Um, <clears throat> you know, the one of the reasons that we decided to start with a, a puff is because um Israel had such success with um unintentionally, mm-hmm. but as as y'all know, Bamba is, it's like a peanut Cheeto basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's one of the most popular snack foods in Israel, but it's also like a first weaning food for so many babies. And that was Dr. Lack's theory is that the reason Mm -hmm. the peanut allergy rates in Israel were so much lower. I mean, they were 10 times higher in the UK than they were in Israel. And his theory is that it was because all these babies were eating peanut puffs. Um, and it wasn't necessarily because parents were dosing them or Mm -hmm. thinking I need to get this in the diet. It was that it was a snack that was an all family snack. And so it happened to always be there and was Mm -hmm. also really easy for babies to eat. Mm -hmm. And so when we were trying to figure out like, all right, what kind of food do we want to start with? Um, we wanted to make sure that it was something that big kids would enjoy Mm-hmm. And babies could safely consume as well, just to make sure it was in the pantry and it wasn't just used as a, um, an introduction snack, because to your mm-hmm. point, Dr. Hoyt, we know that introducing one or two times and stopping, um, it is not protective. No. Um, and so it's super important to just keep it in the diet. And if we can do it in a way that's enjoyable and healthy, um, you know, we were buying, uh, Bamba 
before you could get it in the U.S. Really, we were buying it, you know, getting it on Amazon (laughs) um, for James. And um, I mean, of course, it's delicious. Love it. But I just didn't love the ingredients for a baby. I wanted something that was, um, you know, made for babies, lower in salt, um, organic. And, um, you know, it was just sort of a a cleaner version. And then, of course, with the tree nuts, that was um, such a challenge. And so that's why we um, for our second product, we uh, launched a puff with peanuts and tree nuts. And they're delicious. Um, <laughs> rem- <laughs> remind me where, where are your products made? Um, so they are manufactured um, uh, in the Midwest at an organic certified facility. We have an amazing manufacturer that we've worked with from the very beginning um, awesome. they specialize in, in baby foods, which let me tell you is very difficult to find a manufacturer that, um, specializes in baby foods, but also can have peanuts and tree nuts in the facility because of mm-hmm. all of the allergen free products, which mm-hmm. of course are super important for food allergy families like ours, but we also want to um, yeah. get it in the products for babies <laughs> before they develop food allergies. So right, right. The manufacturing infrastructure has not caught up, um, with the research yet. And that has definitely been a challenge. And, you know, Pam, before, um, before our podcast, Pam and I were talking about, you know, what are some really awesome questions that we want to talk with you about? And, um, you know, you've talked a lot about the science and making sure the manufacturing is good. What have been some ways that you guys have, have worked with pediatricians or how are you really getting the word out that, Hey, getting nuts in the diet early is doable. And here's a really yummy way to do it. Yes. That is a big priority of ours, especially I think, you know, maybe pediatricians or even allergists who have been practicing for so long and are, you know, kind of, I hate to, I don't I don't know any other way to put it, but you know, who are kind of stuck in their ways, you know, they're stuck in sort of like the way that they were trained and learned. And so Mm -hmm. to hear things like this, you know, they're kind of like, ah, no, just avoid it, you know, no big deal or no, you know, they're still too little or, you know, give Benadryl first. I think there's, we're still seeing a lot of doctors, unfortunately, who are still sort of in that mindset. So, and, and a lot who are obviously, you know, getting educated and and shifting into sort of like this new world of food allergies and how to treat them. But Mm -hmm. that was definitely one of my big questions is just, you know, how, how do y'all do it? You know, how do you make sure that the word is out there that, Hey, here's this product. We're making it easy for you. Just give it to your parents, you know? Yes, it's it's a great question and it's a big focus for us because we know based on, you know, recent surveys that only about 30% of pediatricians are fully following the new um guidelines and um we, sometimes when we talk to people they're like, "Oh, well, but the American Academy of Pediatrics now says that this is the best practice and that babies should have peanuts introduced early. And of course the USDA has, I mean, every major medical association has now come out and basically in support of early allergen introduction. So why aren't pediatricians recommending it? Um, And I think you hit on a couple of key points. I think some um, pediatricians and perhaps allergists um, may be a little more um, old school or not as quick to, you know, change with the research, but I think a big part of it 
is just the amount of time they have with patients. Mm -hmm. It takes so long, as you know, Dr. Hoyt, it takes so long to explain all of this to um, a mom or a dad. And pediatricians do not have that time. And so actually one of the things that we're working on, and there've been surveys of doctors saying like, what are the barriers to implementation here? And that is a big one. It's like, we don't have enough time with patients. Um, We don't have the materials to give them either that are, you know, quick, easy to digest. They can take them home if we don't have time to talk through them. And so what we're looking into now is just trying to produce those materials ourselves Mm -hmm. and get them out to providers offices. So if they don't have the time, they can hand them a takeaway that says, um, you know, here, here's a quick breakdown of the guidelines. Here's how it's recommended that you introduce, um, Dr. Hoyt would love your feedback on these materials. Absolutely. <laughs> I'd are, love to give it. I can talk about in the food allergy 25 <laughs> hours a day. Eight days a week. <laughs> um, I kind of do. Yeah. I mean, that would be, that would be amazing, but we just keep hearing that we don't have the tools mm-hmm. we don't have the time and we don't have the tools. I think uh, most providers, um, in fact, in the survey that only a third were following the, um, the guidelines over 90% of them had heard of them. They knew about them. Um, Mm -hmm. but there were all these barriers to implementation. And so I think we just have to figure out what the barriers are and how do we knock them down? Um, and we want to do as much as we can in that, um, department as possible. Um, we've also worked on partnering with some, you know, great organizations like the national peanut board, who has some wonderful programs gained, you know, geared towards educating consumers, but also um, educating providers about the new guidelines. So I think it's going to be like a collective right. effort um, between doctors, organizations like FAIR, the National Peanut Board, um, the CDC. I mean, we have all kinds of ideas of, of what <laughs> we need to do to garner, you know, harness the power of of all these organizations who have a common goal, which is to help prevent food allergies. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And I think too, you know, sometimes we talk how social media isn't awesome sometimes, but I think in situations like this, it is because you do have a lot of first time parents who, you know, are trying to research like we did, you know, but we, we kind of had books more than we did the internet, I guess, when, when we had our first one. Um, But, you know, I remember as a first my mom getting all the books, trying to get online and see what I can read. And, you know, when you have pages, um, that kind of try to give good evidence-based information on, on social media or podcasts these days, it's so good because it kind of gives power a little bit to the parents and they're able to say, Hey, I saw this product and what do you think? And, and maybe bring that up with their pediatrician and then have them say, Oh, wait, I need to look into this, you know? So, um, I just, it's just so cool. It's so cool. Um, that you were just kind of like this regular mom who decided, Hey, I want to change things for my kid. And that was also one of the the other questions that when Dr. Hoyt and I were just kind of talking about, you know, I think that so many times parents, especially, you know, the moms that stay at home with the kiddos um, who are kind of living this life all the time and just kind of consumed in it, it. We want to do something, but we don't know how. So, I know that you talked about, you know, you didn't want it to be that way for your son. And it was so hard to introduce things to your son. But aside from that, like, what 
what just like gave you the, okay, we're just going to do it. We're just going to lay all the cards out there. We're going to do it. And, and in that turn, what kind of advice do you have for parents or, or just anyone who wants, wants to see a change, can't find a way or, or someone that's already changing it and just says, you know what, I'm just going to do it myself. Cause it's so, it's such a scary thing, right? Like I, I have to imagine it's so scary. So tell us how you did it and how you encourage others to do the same. Yes. Well, um, I, I mean, I love that question. I think that food, like I said before, food allergy moms do better research than the FBI. <laughs> They're also, and food allergy dads too, yeah. but they are also, um, I mean, they're whatever their child needs, they are going to, they're going to get it done. I've met such amazing friends through that community. And, um, for us, you know, it was having this idea, feeling this, you know, this urgency, like this has to happen. And meanwhile, I was also reading, um, cause the leap study came out in 2015, but it took a couple of years for the official federal guidelines to change. And then the other medical organizations to change guidelines to recommend early introduction. But as that was happening, I just kept reading, you know, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends that parents introduce peanuts early. The National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Disease recommend, you know, it was just like one after another saying, parents need to do this. And there were still no products on the market that made mm-hmm. it possible. And so I just was so frustrated knowing that this was what was being recommended to parents. And there was not an easy option that made it doable, but how we actually got to the point where we, you know, executed on it. Cause it really was an idea that we talked about late at night for a long time. <laughs> um, my husband and I, um, but it was the food allergy community. So I mentioned Todd Slotkin, who's one of our um, founders. He's a food allergy advocate, food allergy dad, um, one of the co-founders of uh, the nonprofit FAIR. Um, we called him. He was a friend before um, before we got started on this journey. And we called him and said, hey, we need you to tell us if this idea is crazy or if it needs to happen. And we told him the idea and he said, I absolutely think that idea needs to happen. It could help so many people. And I think that we need to talk to Dr. Lack. Um, And so Todd is the one who ultimately connected JJ and me with Dr. Lack. And then the four of us sat down and it was sort of like, once we got all of our brains and passion in one room thinking something's, something's got to change and we actually might be able to be the ones who change it. Um, we had the momentum and the expertise to do it. So for us, that was kind of the, um, you know, what lit the fire and we were off to the races on product development (laughs) and everything else. But I do think for food allergy parents who have a pain point or there's something that they see that they know could be better, that they want to change. Maybe they want to make sure, you know, food allergy bullying is put to a stop in their school or whatever it is. Um, an easier, uh, an easier way to carry an EpiPen for a teenager. Somebody please invent that <laughs> because my teenager does not like carrying her EpiPen. I mean, there's so much, um, and there right. is so much innovation in the food allergy world right now. It's super exciting, but I think that like leaning into that community of other moms and dads who are feeling the same kind of pain, um, and you want to make a difference 
can really help push an idea um, to reality. That's awesome. That's awesome. I know. I love love that. Um, And something I want to come back to also was that the puffs are made as, as food, yummy snack to help as a, as a good, healthy way for, for younger kiddos to have peanut in the diet. Um, But now they are being used in some oral immunotherapy protocols and that can be very exciting. And I imagine that feels very good for you. It does. It was certainly not why we developed the puffs. You know, we just wanted to have a way to get it in the diet before food allergies ever develop. And um, it's still, and you made this point so clearly and beautifully earlier, Dr. Hoyt, but like for your average consumer, you know, that is the purpose. You would not, um, a mom or dad would not want to give peanut or tree nut or any other allergen on their own to a child who had a food allergy to that food. Um, but we have had allergists who have reached out to us um, and are using the puffs in their practice for oral immunotherapy. Um, and one of the allergists who um, you know sent me an email recently said, you know, it's just wonderful to think that we could be using these puffs to help um, children who are already peanut allergic, which just you know, practically brought tears to my eyes because it's never, uh, um, we never thought that would be possible with these. Um, but in the care of, you know, an expert and a, yes. you know, a, a doctor, um, who knows how to safely administer an OIT program, um, then it's wonderful to think that these could be, um, helpful for, for that, um, community as well. This is wonderful. Catherine, I can't thank you enough for coming on and talking about Mission Mighty Me. Um, Where can folks go to find your delicious, yummy snacks? Yes. Well, they are available on our website, which is missionmightyme.com. They're also on Amazon at the moment. Um, Retail is kind of the next step for us, but right now we are are e-commerce. And, um, also just to, to mention, we do have for parents who just want to find out more information about early allergen introduction and what the research is and all of that, um, and how they're supposed to do it. We do have an early allergen introduction guide on our website. So if you just want to learn more, um, if you're not ready to, to try it out yet, but you want to learn more, we also have, um, a handy guide on our website that kind of helps walk parents through the whole process. Awesome. awesome. Catherine, thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you both so much for having me. I love what both of you are doing. Um, Pam, I feel like we like have the exact same (laughs) experience. Yes. I mean, our children are like the same age. We got the same advice. Yes. Case studies for this. Um, Yes. I would just add one more thing if it's okay, because I do think as a food allergy mom, sometimes I think like, oh my gosh, I could have, could I have prevented this? You mm-hmm. know, could I have done more? And of course you can go down a rabbit hole there, mm-hmm. but I just think it's super important for, you know, parents of children with food allergies, not to, not to ever go there. Mm-hmm. We all were doing the best we could. Oh yeah. The information we had at the time. Yeah. Um, and now that we know Absolutely. more we can do better and we can do different. Um, but we were doing exactly. the best we could, um, at the time. And I just think food allergy parents 
carry a lot of burden. Oh yeah. Anyway, we, and that yes. needs to be removed. <laughs> yes. And and we've had lengthy dis- discussions off air and on air about things like that, because it is, you know, it's, I can sit here and say, oh man, I wish I had those, like, you know, how different would life have been, but it's, we're at a point in our lives and, and she's at a point in her life where it is our lives, you know, that's what makes her different. It's what makes her special. And, and we've sort of like hit that hump of, um, you know, we've passed the guilt. We, there's nothing we could do, you know, there's literally nothing we could do because we, we're doing the best we could with the information that we had and and information changes, science changes all the time. And that's something that, um, we hope food allergy parents, um, do know and do remember, especially the ones that are kind of our age or our kids ages that, you know, that was just a different time. It was a different time. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it's not that anyone was trying to keep the information from us. It's just that they were doing the best they could with the information they had. And so, and I think too, that's why Dr. Hoyt, you know, had this sort of idea of, of doing this podcast was that there is so much changing in this world of food allergies that it's kind of hard to keep up with and, and having sort of something that you can go to and listen to, or be directed to, you know, new products and, and make sure that people just stay up to date and know that, Hey, it's changing, but we're going to do this together and it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. It's going to be okay. Right. Exactly. Oh, I love that. Amen. Yes. (laughs) Catherine, we can't wait to have you back whenever you have new products or any announcements, or you just want to come talk about something. um, You are welcome anytime, my friend. Thank you so much. I loved talking to you both. That's the episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Of course, I'm an allergist, but I'm not your allergist. So talk with your allergist about what you learned on this episode and visit us at foodallergyandyourkiddo.com where you can submit your family's questions. God bless you and God bless your family.